Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, uh, the last four weeks, we've been in these four core promises, this series called Live Greater. And basically what we've based our church around is these four promises that If I'm honest with you, I hope that you've listened and you've taken notes as we've talked about the promise of salvation, how God wants to save you. The promise of deliverance, that not only does God want to save you, but he also wants to deliver you. He also wants to heal you. He wants you to be walking in fullness and in freedom. And then we talked last week about this idea of the promise of redemption, that God actually wants to make things new in your life and dreams, ideas, hopes, things that you had in your heart that you wanted to do for so long. These things, I believe that God wants to bring them back to the forefront and he actually wants to accomplish these things in you. And today I'm preaching a message of the promise of fulfillment because once you've gotten saved and you got gotten out of Egypt and then you got Egypt out of you and then you've been restored and you know what you're supposed to do, now it's time for you to do it and to live in full fulfillment this is all through scripture I mean at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 the Bible says let's make man in our image there was this moment that Adam knew God that he spent time with him and he understood it and we've based our church around this we have four things that we do as a church and this is what we want to do with every person based out of Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 verse 18 28 19 the Bible says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit our job our mission at Greater Church is that we want to reach all people and then we want to empower them towards a relationship with Jesus that step that journey it has four steps when you walked in I hope you saw it we want you to know God have a relationship with him we want you to find freedom deal with your yesterday and close the door on yesterday forevermore we want you to discover your purpose what were you created for and then we want you to go and make a difference these are the four things that we've based our church but not our church we've taken it from scripture this is God's vision for your life Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 the Bible says let us make man in our image He made Adam and he spent time with Adam. Adam knew him. Then not only that, but he also walked in the cool of the day with God. He didn't have no worries about, oh, I don't want to pray today or I'm ashamed. There was nothing inside of him. He was living a free life with God. And then God told him, hey, I want you to make sure that you take care of this land. I want you to take care of the animals. He gave him a purpose. And then he lived in fulfillment because Adam was able to walk through the land and he was able to name animals and tend the land and do different things. That's at the beginning of the Bible, but it's also at the end of the Bible. In Revelations chapter 21, where the Bible says that the lamb the alpha and the omega that he will dwell with us and he will be our God we will know him clearly then it also says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes that we will live in full freedom then he says that he's going to go and he's going to make all things new the promise of redemption is found right there and then he said and we will dwell with him for all eternity that's real fulfillment that we can spend all of eternity with God But it doesn't end there because it's at the beginning of the Bible. It's at the end of the Bible, but it's all through the Bible. These are things that, honestly, I didn't even know that were there. But once you start understanding this and seeing it, you start to watch it everywhere. Because look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is speaking now to the the church of Ephesus. And he turns to them and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened your heart doesn't have eyes 
What he's saying is that if your heart is dark because of pain, because of hurts, then it needs deliverance. It needs to be enlightened so that it can see properly. So you no longer look at a job as a means to an end, or you no longer look at a relationship as a person that's going to hurt you the way that they did, but that your heart is no longer living in darkness and now it's enlightened and you're excited about it. And he says, I pray that you would see with your heart and that you would see that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you that there's a purpose that you have and then he says and then I said the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms that inside of us we can live a fulfilled life and the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us and helping us to live and to do. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, all through scripture, I can show you 48 different scriptures where you can see that God wants you to know him, that he wants you to find freedom, that he wants you to discover your purpose, and then he wants you to make a difference. He actually wants you to do something with what you had. But for so many of us, at the very beginning of this sermon series, I had this illustration of my daughter being on the tarmac and every time the, the plane bounced, she thought, Dad, are we in the air yet? And I kept telling her, no, we're not in the air yet. And for so many of us Christians, we've called on the name of Jesus. And we've given of our tithes. And we've served at certain places. And we've done certain things for Jesus. We show up to church every Sunday. But we have been living this life that we've just been bouncing on the tarmac. When in actuality, God wants you to take off. He wants you to be able to soar. He wants to do so much more with you. But see, the enemy has another plan. The Bible says... Very clearly, in John chapter 10, verse 10, the enemy, he came to steal your dreams, your hope, your future. He came to kill every one of your potential, everything that you have ahead of you. And he came to destroy everything around you. But God, the Bible says, I, Jesus is speaking. He says, I come that you may have life and have it to the full. This isn't a feel-good sermon, y'all. These last four weeks aren't about me trying to give you some prosperity message. This is what the God that we serve, the Jesus that we love. He wants you to live a full life. He wants you to live a big life. And it sucks because people who have done the thing that I do with this microphone and people who have preached and have these churches and they've made it so that it's all about them. And the more you do, it's more that it benefits them. When in reality, yo, God wants you to live a full life. He wants you to be useful in the hands of the master. There's so much more inside of you. But we choose sometimes to live these mediocre small lives. And there's a few reasons why we do that. I'll explain to you and I'll show it to you. One of the reasons why I believe is because we're so trapped by the past. We've made so many mistakes in life. Before Jesus, after Jesus, in the middle of Jesus, we made some pretty bonehead mistakes and we feel like we're trapped by that. God can never use me. I can never live a full life because I'm trapped by the things and the mistakes that I've made in the past. When in reality, that's not the way that the Bible that I, that I read, the Bible that I know, this is not what God told us that we would do. Watch this. This is, this is David speaking now. He says, Psalms 38 verse 4 through 6. It says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I've felt that. That my guilt, my shame has felt like this heaviness. I, don't, I can't even pray. I don't feel like I can even move forward, let alone live a full life. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long, I go about mourning. 
And this is where we talked about last week where God has to, with an outstretched arm, regardless of how low you are, that God can actually rescue you from there and he can actually put you back in purpose. That he lifts you up with an outstretched arm and with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Why? Because number one, I truly believe that what happens is that the enemy clouds our thoughts and our minds and we can no longer see anything ahead of us because we're looking at the rearview mirror so much. And we're so stuck on what we did yesterday that it's hard for us to even look forward. But can I be honest with you? It's not only just the fact that we are stuck in our past, but for some of us, and you may find yourself in one of these three places, maybe all three of them, and I'm going to give you a promise that's in Scripture that's going to bring you out of all three of them. So whether you're in one, all three, or maybe you ain't in none of them, I want you to see something. Because not only is it that you're stuck in the past sometimes, and it won't let you live a full life, but sometimes you're running a play, and you're doing things that was never a plan that was never created for you by God, but you're running a plan that Satan gave you. And you might not be offering animals and sacrifices and, you know, and, and going out here and, you know, writing pentagrams in your house and having candles and doing weird stuff. But, man, you were working so much, man, that, that that wasn't what God intended for you. Yo, I'm not telling you to quit your job and like, oh, yeah, that's it. Boss, I'm leaving. Hey, wife, Chino said I'm quitting my job. I'm going to be a professional Fortnite player. No, bro. Come on, man. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying you're so exhausted, man, because you're, you're chasing after something that was never created for you. And there's so much that you're trying to attain and so much that you're trying to go after when in reality, God never, uh, not, he never asked you to do any of those things. And sometimes that comes from our own brokenness, right? So like I came up, Poe, we couldn't afford the OR. We were just Poe. We couldn't be poor. That was the rich people. Rich people were poor. We were Poe. We didn't have money. We had ramen soup and Vienna sausages. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to make money. And I'm, a, I'm never going to allow my kids to eat ramen soups. Now we got a whole pantry full of the mugs. But I'm never. <laughs> Even the microphone amen me. Yo. But I was like, I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to allow my kids to go through that. And then I started trying to achieve ways to make so much money. And then I'm mad at God because I'm like, yo, why aren't you blessing what I'm doing? Like you're sitting, look at me, I'm asking you for all this stuff. And God is just sitting there saying, I never told you to do that. That's something that you purpose in your heart because you didn't want to be where your parents were. But I didn't give you that goal. I didn't give you that purpose. I didn't tell you to achieve that. And it was only until I understood that I'm trying to strive on my own. I'll say that in a second. I'm going to say that again so you can hear that. That I turned to God and I said, yo, let me do it your way. And the moment that I began to do it God's way, I didn't have to worry about a beat. We never missed a meal at our house, as you can tell in my children. <laughs> but sometimes we're running after a play and we're chasing after a plan that Satan has placed. And what happens is that we start, we start living for what Satan has. And then before you know it, you're, so, you're living by the approval of what a man says. And then you're so stuck because, you know, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to keep up with what everybody else says. And the full life that God has given to us, we're not living in a, in a promise of fulfillment. We're living off of the promise of what we saw next door for somebody. And we want to have that car and that house and that marriage. And that marriage is fake, y'all. That's Instagram. They're not. They fight every single day. It's okay. You're fine. But, but we try to chase those things before you know it. You're living a life that wasn't created for you. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. So we have to be careful because what stops us from living this full life is the, is the <laughs> honestly, the plan of the enemy for sure. Our past. 
But then there's this person that's a hidden person in there that always messes you up. That this person that, that always cheats you out of every dream you had. There's this person that, I mean, he, this person, he or she always does you dirty and you just keep going back to this person. And it's all about you. And you are the worst friend that you've ever had. You lie to yourself and you cheat yourself out of so much stuff and you talk yourself about. Now understand when I say it's all about the you, I know that the hurricanes are playing really good. Praise the Lord. But what I'm talking about is you. You've been trying to do it alone for so long. You have no friends, bro. It's hard for you to live a full life when you just go to work and then you come back home and you don't really have anybody. You show up to church and you show up at the third song and then as soon as service says, in Jesus' name, amen, you're, you're heading to your car because you want to go sit on the couch. And what God has is that he doesn't, he doesn't want you to live this lonely life. Can I tell you that the enemy understands that he understands that loneliness more than anybody else. I hate what this nation, this world turned into with this whole social distancing thing. I hate it. Hold on. Let me explain. We've set chairs apart. We've created spaces for physical distancing. We understood that COVID-19 was a real thing. And thus, we were very careful in the way that we operate. We still clean stuff. We still wipe stuff down. If you walked in here earlier, you saw us with hand sanitizer. Uh, Gerson's wife was out there wiping tables down, which, man, I love you guys. And we still understand physical distancing to create health. But social distancing, I felt, was a demonic plan from the enemy. What does me being in my house by myself, away from my friends and my family, not even, I can't even spend time with people. And then the language became just social. And what happened is that more pornography popped up than ever. More drug use popped up than ever. People were not living in, in solitude. People were living in isolation, so far away from people. And then when this thing subsided a little bit, they were so happy because some of y'all introverts, this pandemic was like a blessing for y'all. It's just me and my books and my cats. God bless you. <laughs> For some of us, for some of us, the extroverts, Taylor, for the extroverts, yo, we were like, I'll risk it for the biscuit. Give me COVID. Give me whatever you want. I just, I need people. I don't want my kids no more. And we, we wanted to be around people. But yo, isolation is Satan's plan. Marriages. Let me talk to you for a second. You think that Satan just wants to break you up? That's not his intent. His intent is not just to break you up. His intent is to break you up but in such a way that you will never trust another individual ever again. He wants to create so much hurt and pain inside of you, create so much isolation that you never trust anybody again. He wants to use those moments where your boss actually told you we no longer need you and he laid you off. He wanted to create that insecurity in you that wouldn't let you apply for another job. And he wanted to create things inside of you because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Because that's his plan, that's his entire purpose in life is to hurt you. So it's not just these simple elementary attacks that you think you're getting. There's layers to this thing because if he can isolate you, if he can put you on your own, he can destroy you. But there's a promise that's attached to this. And it's the promise of fulfillment. That God wants you to live a full life. He wants you to live a big life. Yo, don't relegate me and don't throw me in your prosperity preacher category. Oh, he wants me to be blessed. Yes, man. Yes, like God wants the best for you. He has a hope and a future for you. But it's not about you. Watch what the Bible says. Exodus chapter 6. This is going to change the way that you think about this. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. I want you to see something right quick. Because it says, I will take you as my own people 
and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This is known, the children of Israel, Passover, today, 2022, when Passover happens, there's 14 steps that they take Passover with. In that, they take four cups, and in those four cups, they have the cup of salvation, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and then the cup of fulfillment or the cup of praise. And what it is is that this promise right here, when they read this, this is like step 12 in their Jewish culture when they're doing it together and it's the cup of praise the reason it's the cup of praise is because they've drank three cups of wine and this is the fourth one but then but he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. The cup of praise, the word praise, this is where we get the, or the Hebrew word for praise is the word Hallel. And Hallel, it's a prayer that they pray and it's a praise prayer. And Hallel is where we get the word praise. But when we take the word Yah and we put it to it is where we get Hallelujah. So it's praise or it's celebration unto God. This is what hallelujah means. It's a life. Look at this. Praise. The cup of fulfillment, the promise of fulfillment is all about you living this full life that's filled with joy, that's filled with celebration. This isn't what Satan wants to you. How many of us can honestly say, you all wake up in the morning and I'm just filled with celebration? <laughs> this doesn't mean that there won't be problems in your life. It just means that on the exterior, you might be shaken, but on the interior, you cannot be stirred. Because you have something inside of you that's a joy that becomes your strength. Not just something that you joy isn't just laughing. Ha, 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 ha. It's an actual strength. The joy of the Lord shall become my strength. Like if we look at these things and we're able to unpack these layers, man, we would understand things so much because this is what God wants you to live. Exodus chapter 6 verse 6 and 7, he says, I will take you and I, as my own people. This is the promise of fulfillment. It's all about you being a part of a people. It was all about you. It was, I want to save you. It was, I want to deliver you. It was, I want to redeem you. I want to show you your purpose. But then I want to put you amongst a group of people. And I want you to be in a community of people. I want you to be a part of a church. I want you to be a part of a team. I want you to be a part of an outreach team or, or a host team. Or As far as a church, this is what we were created for. Like, I know the churches have dogged you out. And the moment that I start, to, oh, he wants, this is the whole message is about me serving on team. Where's the little paper? Where do I got to sign up? No, bro, you're missing this whole deal. This is about the things that God wants to do. His church, it's his church. Regardless of what people have done to screw his church up or to give it a bad name, it's still his church. He still uses it to reach people, to deliver people, to bring back purpose in people, to be able to have a full life. We got to take these preconceived notions of what happened to us because remember, the enemy's going to steal your fullness by reminding you of the past. But if you're able to walk away from that and understand that, yo, God wants me to be amongst a group of people doing something that matters for eternity. Like not just something that matters because of a church name, but something that matters eternity. There's value. There's over 40 people, close to 40 people that have given their life to Jesus in five weeks that we've been in this church. And it's because you guys got up at eight o'clock in the morning and some of y'all showed up here and were working your butts off. And the worship team was here grinding and practicing. And you guys in the back and our G kids are in there teaching students and teaching your children about Jesus. And we have people that are working here and bringing you to your chairs and they're going out there and they're setting up the coffee. This is just here. But then you got a John Ramundi who is sitting right here who goes and him and Linda, they go to Publix and they go pick up a bunch of food and they pick up a bunch of meat and they pick up a bunch of items to be able to give to the community because we want to serve people. We want to bless people. This is what it means when you get together with a family and you do something that matters because it's not just about the family. Watch this. 
The Bible says, and I will be your God. God gets right in the middle of your team. God gets right in the middle of your church. God gets right in the middle of your dreams. And now it's not just you going out there and rescuing women from sex trafficking. But all of a sudden, as a church, we got God in the middle of that thing protecting us, giving us favor, giving us houses to be able to put them in homes and get them their license and get them their, their jobs and get them their paperwork and try to get them their children back from DCF. It's, this is what God does. He steps in the middle and he begins to breathe on stuff. This is what the promise of fulfillment is. I, it's in my bones so bad and I wish you would so bad. I wish you would catch this and live a full life. Salvation is great. You saved. That's it, bro. That was on God. He did that. Get through your junk and get deliverance. That's what G groups are about. Get some people around you that are going to help you iron sharpens iron. But then after that, I want you to get to a place where you can discover what was I made for? Because then I want to start doing what I was created for. How do you participate? I want you to write this down. I got to move quick. How do you participate? How do you, how do you be able to take from the promise? How do you take from the promise of fulfillment? I want to show you something because fulfillment is the greatest need, I think, that we all have. Uh, some of y'all remember when you were in college, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some of y'all remember. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you skipped that day. <laughs> I was by the portables, Chino. I wasn't in school. There's this guy, and he was a secular, meaning he wasn't an, a Christian psychologist. And he talked about these needs that everybody has. These are core needs that we all have. Every single person. We all have core needs. The, the first need that he talks about, he had five of them, and then other scholars came in and were able to attach three of them as time went on. Um, obviously, we had the biggest transition in communication by way of social media, the internet by itself. Like, I mean, it changed the way that we communicate and what our world looks like, right? So there's three of them that have been added to that, but there were these core ones that I believe that all of us have these needs. Number one, it's physical needs. You have a need to breathe, like, that's a need. You have to, you have to eat. You know what I mean? Some of y'all are like, you know, amen, so I can go eat. Like, it's, we have needs that are physical needs, but then we also have these safety needs or security needs. That's the reason why we lock our doors. That's the reason why we, we, we want to feel that we're safe when we walk into areas. That's the reason why some of y'all, you downstairs and you love Jesus. I mean, you know how to speak in tongues. You cast out demons. You heal everybody. You are just made of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you turn the lights off downstairs, you run upstairs because you think somebody's chasing you. Because we got safety needs. We want to be able to feel safe. But then we also want to feel loved. All of us have this. I don't, I don't know about that one. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel like somebody loves us. And then number four is that we all want to feel esteemed. So we, all, we want somebody to talk good about us. Like, I mean, it's just a need. You want somebody to say, oh, my God, your shirt looks awesome. Shayla, you look incredible. Like, you want people to feel like you want when people see you, like, you want to feel that. But then you get into these other four that I think are super, those are, called the, those are called the deficiency needs. And then they're the cognitive needs. The cognitive needs are these other four. The first needs is that you need to understand things, right? Like you need to cognitively understand things. That's why you like, you have the Google, you know what I mean? Like you, I, what, what verse was that? I need to go check that verse. Like you want to understand things. If you're Hispanic or from any type of island, you don't use anything to like you, the, the, the handbook. When you go to Ikea, you're like, throw that away. I make it. You know what I mean? So you, you don't, you think you need to understand And Some of my other folks, y'all need to understand. I want to read this thing first. Like, hold on. I'm not building anything. I need to sit here. Let me just check this out for a minute. Cause you want to understand it. You want to read it. And then there's this other side of it. There's, then there's this other need that is aesthetics. 
And this is the reason why you paint stuff a certain color. This is why you put your chair on this side of the house. Or this is why in your car you keep that, don't move my stuff. This is why you do certain things because aesthetically you want things to look a certain way. Some of y'all go to Ikea way too much. Some of y'all are at Walmart. But you buy stuff and your husband don't even know that you're ready for me to say amen because you got some stuff that you want to buy. You on Facebook Marketplace and it's an addiction. But God bless y'all. Husbands, don't, don't laugh. Just look at me. I'm going to help y'all. I'm going to help y'all. <laughs> It's not a sin. It's your money, though, buddy. <laughs> but aesthetic needs, you know what I mean? And then, and then there's, then there's this, this self-actualization need that we want to play for the winning team. You know what I mean? Like, we all cheer for the underdog. Everybody cheers for the underdog. Oh, yeah, the underdog on sports teams, right? Like, the team that, that is the lowly ones, we all cheer for them, but nobody wants to play for them. Everybody wants to play for the winning team. You want to play for a team that's winning. You want to be a part of something that's like great and it's moving forward. And if it's not, you're just like, oh, yeah, God bless you. Oh, in Jesus' name, go with Lord. Lord loves you. But, but you want to be a part of it. But then there's this other side of it that I think is the, the, the really cool one. And it's this need that Maslow has created or, or scholars have created. And it's the, the most one. And it's called the most one. I don't even know what that means. It's the biggest one. And it's a, it's a need. It's a transcendent need. And here's what that means. It means that you, you go through stages of life and every one of those needs become like your central need. But then you get to a place where this transcendent need becomes your greatest need. Why? Because transcendent means that the things that I do actually will have ripple effects. And somebody after me, because of what I did, they're actually going to benefit from it. Not only are they going to benefit from it, but they're going to learn from it and they're going to teach somebody else. And now me, I'm in a space in my life where I'm trying to teach my children. And obviously as a pastor, like the words that I speak is not little cute things that I stole off of YouTube or I robbed from another preacher. My job and my desire is to be able to give you things so that you can grab them so that you can preach them so that you can start. There's echoes to this thing. When you get to a place of transcendency where you're doing things that is affecting towards eternity, there's nothing better than that. When you start to watch as you get a young man who comes into a youth group and is cursing, is doing things, has a poor background. I mean, family is a mess, but they come into a space where you and a team of people have taken this young person and you begin to teach them the Bible. And all of a sudden you start to see this kid that he says, man, that stuff was crazy. And you start to see as he turns the way his vocabulary is. And then you start to watch his parents poke in. What's happening to my kid? And then you watch their family start coming in. And then the dad shows up to a service. And then you start to watch, oh my God. And now they're raising their hands. And then you walk in on a day and his dad is like, hey, welcome to Greater Church. Uh, where would you, can I take you to your seat? We're sitting people here. That's transcendency right there, baby. That's fulfillment right there. To watch as people start going on the journey and you did that because you were a part of something that did it together. That's what it's about. How do you reach that promise? I need to wrap up quick. Y'all, Whitley, y'all messed up. I got 10 minutes. Y'all don't got that time up there? I'll get Pentecostal real quick. <laughs> we'll get out of here at 3 p.m. <laughs> Stop. You guys are so bad. I, I'm just trying to show you that God wants you to live this big life. And it's not about you doing things that you did in your past. It's not about you getting to a place where it's like, man, you, you're trying to figure it out. And it's like, is this God's plan or is this Satan's plan? Or, or I'm doing it by myself. Is that you can actually have a game plan from God. And that you can walk into a space, man, in a season of your life, man, that you live a fulfilled life. That when I say, do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel praise when you wake up in the morning? And it's like, I don't know. You can make that a yes. Look at what the Bible says. 
I'm going to show you very quick. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, we can only keep going after all by the power of God who first saved us and then, who first saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared to us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. Number one, you want to take hold of the promise of fulfillment? It starts with a calling and one that you possess. This isn't a calling. Is it something that a pastor has? It isn't something that the teams, because they volunteered and, you know, our servant leaders and, you know, they graduated from next steps. They have a calling over their life. This isn't, this isn't something that's afforded only to an elite group of Christian individuals that know every scripture and they know all the songs and they know how to do all the, good morning, how are you, blessed and highly favored. That, that's not reserved from them. You have a calling. There's a, this is what the Bible says. We can only keep going after all by the power of God. First and foremost, it's only God. He gives you the call, but he gives you the strength to fulfill the call. And then he says, who first saved us. So you've given your life to Jesus and then called us to his holy work. We all have an assignment. We all have a job. If you're a doctor, you got a ministry and you're called in that medical field. If you are a police officer, you have a ministry and you have a calling in that law enforcement field. Wherever you are, there's a calling over your life. I want to show you this because as you look through it through scriptures, you'll be able to understand that this is huge. Because then you start to move away from the fact of I'm not just aimlessly living through life, running a play that wasn't created for me, but I got a call. Can you say that to yourself? Can you say, I got a call? Say it. Come on, some of y'all looked at me and were just like, I'm not saying because I don't have a call. You do have a call. I'm going to show you. You have a call. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have a call. Give him that face. Look, give him that face like, you got a call. Like, give him like some hood. Put a hood in your voice. You got a call. Look at the person next to you. Look at the other person. Look at the other person. Tell him, you got a call. You have a call. <laughs> you have a call. Everyone has a call. And our call actually stands on a cause. So it's not rudimentary, just loosey-goosey, whatever. We just, we're, we're Christians and we're just going through this life until we die and we go to heaven. But there is a cause that this thing is standing on. There are individuals who have given their life up. People that were cut in half. People, even now, that on Wednesday mornings at 7.30 a.m., John Ramonde has a class. And they look at martyrs that were from long ago and they study even ones that are happening right now in different countries where people are giving their life, not their morning on a Sunday, their life, not their Wednesday G group time because they sat there and wanted to catch up on Grey's Anatomy. So they got to come now to talk about the, with other people and no, no, their life, they're dying. They're martyrs because they stand on a cause. Yo, there's a purpose inside of me. I know I'm doing this for a reason. I'm not doing this because I want a church to get bigger. I'm not doing this because I want another ministry to get launched. I'm doing this because there's a cause. Because there are people that are far from God. Watch this. Look what the Bible says. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. In the New Living Translation, it says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing of the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. This isn't Paul's job. Don't relegate it. That's the apostle. This isn't Chino's job. This isn't the elite group of the church. This is all of us that we all are called and we all mean everything to God. 
But unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by God, we all have a calling. And our calling is to tell others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Some of you are going to use your attitude to tell people about the grace of God. And it's going to open up a door to share the gospel. Some of you are going to teach somebody while you're teaching them how to change oil at your, at your job. You're going to start watching as God starts opening the door up so that you can teach them about the grace of God. God is going to use whatever field you're in to be able to do the work of telling others about the good news. The good news is that hell is real. The good news is that eternally we are separated from God. The good news is that Jesus came, the gospel, that he lived a sinless life that we couldn't live. That he went upon a cross and regardless of what a church has told you, he didn't die for you. He died as you. You should have been on that cross. You should have got broken. You should have got killed. You should have been on that cross and you should have got stabbed in your side. But Jesus took the place for you. And then in 1 Corinthians, he says, he who knew no sin became sin so that you may become the righteousness of God in an uneven exchange God has given you the grace to be called the sons and daughters of God our job is to tell people that's real in their life that regardless how much drugs they've done that regardless how many people they screwed regardless how many mistakes they made that they're approved by God that God loves them the good news is that they can come to the father that there's somebody that loves them that is not mad at them but madly in love with them we stand on a cause y'all we got a calling, but then we got a cause. We got a reason. There's a flag in the ground that we have to stand for as Christians and believers. But then we get to the fun part because this is the part that always trips everybody up. That call, that cause, it spreads from it being all about you to it being about us. I want to show you something. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other to succeed. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other to succeed. The cause, the gospel, the church. For some of y'all, let me give you some clarity. Jesus told us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Meaning that my job is to reach one person. And when I'm finishing reaching that person and making them a disciple, I got to reach another one. And then I got to reach another one. And then I got to reach another one. And it read, he has to reach one. And Carissa, she has to reach one. And then we got to come to two, she has to reach one. And then after you reach one, you got to reach two. And then you got to reach three. And then before you know it, you got to reach five. And then you got to reach six. And, and Kelsey, she has to have seven and eight. And we got to keep reaching people because God told us to make disciples. And so now Joe has to reach his six and seven and eight and nine. And before you know it, you got all these people that you've been reaching. What is the church? The church is that I bring minds. You bring yours. And the people that we've all been discipling together, we get together and we get to fellowship. We get to learn about God. We get to receive the tools that God has given us. And then we get to walk out and do it again. Because guess what? When you have 45 people in your, in your, in, in that you've discipled and you've led to the Lord, guess what you have to do? 46. And then when you got 46, guess what you have to do after that? 47. And then guess what happens after you do 47? Come on, y'all been in school way too long to sit there and look at me. <laughs> you got to do, Miles, you got to do 49. And you got to do 50. So the job of the church is that we don't sit there and just make it all about us. But that I understand that I'm a hand in the body of Jesus Christ. It's a body, right? That's what the Jesus calls it. I'm a hand. 
I got to find out, Alicia, she's an arm. I got to get connected to her because she's an arm. But then Cece, Cece's an elbow. She's going to be able to move us where we need to go. So we connect together. And this is what the church looks like when you get around a group of people and we get to do it together. This is why it's so important for you to understand this message that I'm preaching to you. is not about us increasing our teens. It's about you understanding the purpose to live a fulfilled life that it spreads from just being you to us. If you've been on the journey with us at Greater Church, then you you known at the very beginning, you knew William Facey. How many of y'all remember William Facey? William Facey. William, I'm going to do this without crying because I'm a grown man. Watch this. William Facey. William Facey was an individual at our church that had stage four cancer. Um, the cancer had spread to all of his vital organs. Um, there were certain organs actually that they had to take out because they were so infested with, with, with cancer. Um, they told him that he would only last a couple of months. William actually went on to last about 10 years. And it was incredible because he would end up going to the hospital. He couldn't get sick. Like it was, it was bad. But every single Saturday, William Facey was out in downtown Atlanta ministering to homeless people and preaching to them and giving them things. The way he would do it was that he would get a book bag and he would put toiletries inside his book bags. He would put blankets and then he would put hamburgers inside of his book bag. And he would just sit down with people. Some of y'all remember because y'all did this with him. And he would sit down with people and just, what's up, man? How are you? What's your name? And talk to them. What do you need? Oh, man, I haven't had a, tooth, a toothbrush in a while. And he would give it to them. And then he would just go. People wouldn't even know who he is. One day, we're down there and we're doing this whole deal. Uh, and we're, you know, we're evangelizing and we're spending time and we're feeding the homeless. And we're just, we're spending time with people. Because see, people can blow in and blow out real quick. But we wanted to develop relationships with people. So we were down there, we're doing our thing. And all of a sudden, I'm walking with, with, I'm walking with him. And William, me and William are like, we, we have similar stories. And me and William are walking. And all of a sudden, this dude says, hey, hey, you, hey. And you know, I'm, I love Jesus, but man, what's happening? Like, we can, I, I got a little ratchet in me too. You're not going to scream at me like, hey, what? We out there, what's up? So I just threw my leg back, my pivot. Just in case. And he came, and he came, Jason, I think Jason was, tell you somewhere right. And I, and I, what's up? And he said, you. And he pointed at William. So now I'm like, what's up with William? So now I'm like, and he said, years ago. I had this abscess in my mouth and it was, it was turning green. I mean, it was, my tooth was just, it was, I was in so much pain. And I remember that I went to this church that was doing an event down here and they were passing out food and giving everything. And I remember that I went to the pastor and the pastor was sitting there with another guy and the pastor, I said, pastor, can you help me? I just need antibiotics. Can you just take me to go get antibiotics or, or maybe just pay for the antibiotics? Can you, can you help me, man? I'm, I'm in so much pain. And the, the pastor turned to him and told him, I was a crackhead my whole life. I walked these streets my whole life. You think I'm going to give you money? I'm not giving you anything. We can give you some food and we can give you a blanket. That's what we have. But right now, I'm not giving you any money. He said, Pastor, I don't need money. I just need, I just need some type of antibiotics. He said, man, I'm not giving you anything. You can get food or you can get a blanket. There was an individual that was standing there next to him that he said grabbed him and pulled him. And before he knew it, he's walking towards a car. And he opens the door and he tells him, get in the car. And in the car, he begins to talk to him. And he begins to tell him, what do you need? 
He's like, man, I, I'm homeless and all of these things. And he was living an alternative lifestyle at the time. And he had a lot of diseases, a lot of things that were going on. And he talked to him. He took him to the nursing home. I mean, he took him to the, to the, to the, to the pharmacy. He was able to give him, he bought, paid $200 to give him some antibiotics. But not only $200 to give him antibiotics, he went and gave him a meal. And then he went and he paid for a hotel. And this man stood in front of me and said, that man right there that you're standing in front of, that was him. You did that. I remember you. And William was standing there. He was just like, oh, brother, glory to God, brother. Glory to God, brother. I don't, glory to God, brother. So all the glory goes to Jesus. And just being so humble. And that guy was like, no, you don't understand. Everybody turned their back on me, but you didn't. You were an angel. This whole time, I thought you were an angel. But you're real. The day before he passed away, I didn't have to deal with him. I would make Jason deal with him. I would make Alfonso deal with him because he would sit there with an oxygen tank in a corner. You remember that in Baker? Stupid. He would sit there in the corner on his walker with an oxygen tank. And every time you walked into the church, he would say, God bless you. Welcome to Greater Church. And this day, he just looked bad. And I was like, Jason, you got to talk to him. And what would he say? I'm all right, brother. I'm all right. That's how we talk. I'm all right, brother. And you can't say nothing to him. He'll swing on you. Like, what? Like, I'm not. No, I can't say nothing to William. And William, I'm all right, brother. That last Sunday, November 18th, 2018, on November 19th, 2019, he went to be with the Lord. I could never get up in the morning and say I'm too tired to serve Jesus. I could never in my life say I'm too tired to help a homeless person. I can never in my life say, man, I don't want to do these things. When I remember that this man would go to the hospital and the moment that they would give him from the hospital, he would have his little band and his band from the hospital actually allowed for him to sit around people and not look like a preacher or a minister. So he loved the medical band because then he was like, I look just like them, Chino. I could get my book back and I could talk to anybody and I would just sit there and I would witness to them and preach the gospel. That's living a transcending life. That's living a life of fulfillment. That's living a life that is transcending. That forever this church will preach of it even after his death. He's still making people come to Jesus that's what I'm talking about I'm talking about living this life of fulfillment that's so much bigger there's so much more for you to accomplish and they don't have nothing to do with your past or how much you know or how much you didn't know this man didn't have anything but he was giving people everything my hope and my desire in this entire series is that you would understand, man, that there's such a life for you available that you don't have to bounce on a tarmac on an airplane, but that you can take off, that you can really know God, that you can really find freedom and deal with your yesterday and close that door forevermore, that you can discover your purpose. What was I created for? I want to do homeless ministry. I want to do this ministry. I want to do this. Gino, I just want to stand at the door and welcome people. Gino, I just want to get on a computer. Gino, I just want to go out there and I want to feed people. I that, that food bank, eventually, we're going to call it the William Facey Food Bank. We're getting a church, North Star Church, because we're part of the Big C Church. North Star Church, right down the street here in Ackworth, Georgia. They're paying to remodel our entire food bank. New floors, new refrigerators, new walls. We just got the news that they're blessing us with everything so that we can continue to feed our community. We're going to put our flag down in a cause, and we're going to bless our people here. We're going to go out into the community, and we're going to feed them. We're going to reach them. We're going to help them. We're going to be part of organizations that are going to reach them. My job, my responsibility is to be able to empower you to do the work of the ministry.
that's what we're doing together. It's living a life in a promise of fulfillment, y'all. Four weeks. We get to the point that this is my favorite one. Let us live a life like William Facey that up until the day that you die, that you're not sitting in a bed retired, that you haven't just said, okay, that's it, I'm hanging on my strike, I've done enough, but that you don't waste your life, but that you spend your life investing into people's lives. My hope and my desire would be that that would be your heart. For some of us in this room, it's hard for us to spend our life when we don't have a life. It feels like we're so trapped by sin. It feels like Satan has us in so much grasp. It feels like, man, we're just, you know, honestly, I'm, I want to help people, but man, I need so much help myself. I'm so broken. I'm filled with so much shame, so much guilt. I want to tell you that there's a promise available to you. It's the promise of salvation. That God is not mad at you thinking, I hate you. I don't want you to be a part of anything that we're doing. But that God is madly in love with you. Yo, he wants a relationship with you. And today, if you will give him your heart, he will give you a purpose. He will give you deliverance. He will give you freedom. He will teach you and he will put you in places that a year from now, you won't even recognize yourself. And it all begins with one thing. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that you shall be saved for you to take the promise of salvation it's simple it's not about walking up to an altar it's not about giving your tithes and serving on a team it's not about walking in fulfillment no 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 before you ever do any of those things you got to take that first step and that first step is just salvation and it has little to do with you and everything to do with God God is the only one that can cause you to go from not a bad person to a good person that's not his job that's not what he's trying to do he's trying to take you from being a dead person in Christ and dead in your spirit and bringing you back to life in your spirit then you begin the process of starting sanctification and learning but right now it's all about you coming back to life would you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes all over this place thanks for listening to our podcast today the mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.